0: From our headquarters in New York City, this is Business of Home. I'm your host, Dennis Scully. Every week, I'll be talking to leaders and innovators from all corners of the home industry. My guest this week is interior designer Tony Ingrau, the renowned creative force behind residences at the Baccarat Hotel and 35 Hudson Yards, as well as homes for Jack Welsh, Donnie Deutsch, and countless others. We spoke about his fashion world childhood, How the first client changed everything, and why after nearly 40 years in design, he's at the top of his game. Universal to the Trade is your partner in design. With a comprehensive range of furniture styles, their trade program offers hassle-free online ordering available through your computer, tablet, or smartphone. Quick shipping with an average of 14 days or less, and absolutely no order minimum. And did we mention free shipping? Visit www.universalfurniture.com to the trade now to sign up for your account. Or call the design line at 877-804-5535 to speak to a representative today. Have you gotten your ticket yet for Business of Home's inaugural Future of Home Conference? It's September 9th and 10th in New York City, and yours truly will be hosting, along with my colleagues Caitlin Peterson, Fred Nikolaus, and Sophie Donaldson. The speaker lineup includes all-stars like Rent the Runway co-founder Jenny Fleiss, Pulitzer Prize-winning art critic Jerry Saltz, and Google Nest design director Kate Freeburn. Check out futureofhome.com for the full roster. We want you there, our devoted podcast listener. So lock in your spot before we sell out. A special shout-out to our biggest sponsors, High Point Market, Google Nest, and Benjamin Moore, who are making this important event possible we'll see you there. You mentioned sort of growing up in Manhattan. Now, were you Manhattan and Westchester? Both. Right. So so tell me the Bronxville so hilariously I right. grew up in Manhattan and moved to Bronxville. Okay. Just in the so, past few years, right? Oh. The, the lovely Mrs. Scully wanted a little house with a, <laughs> with a garden. And so I finally gave, a gave in on that. It's an adorable town. It's an adorable town. And so was that, was that in part a place of your childhood? Or?
1: Yes. Okay. Because my grandparents lived there. We were in the clothing manufacturing business on the west side. Right. Okay. And um, my grandfather was running the business. He became ill. My grandmother said she needed help taking care of my grandfather. He was supposed to pass pretty quickly. Took fifteen years, so. <laughs> so we ended up in Westchester. So you, so you live there. So, for, so my mother moved for, back to the house that she lived in before, as a child. Yes. Well, as a teenager. As a teenager. Okay. Yeah. And she's still there at 90. You know, you know. well, so
0: you're, so and you're sort of a remarkable mother, right? So yeah. G- Gloria. Yeah. right? And so I mean, she seems like she's very involved in the oh, community, she, and I mean, her name, unlike your name, her I mean, name came up quite a bit yeah. when I, when I sort of went to do research, and it, it just sounds like she's this sort of incredible no, she's,
1: she's a live. Wire.
0: generous and Fair. energetic figure. Yes, 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 right.
1: extremely. Totally.
0: So Westchester was part of your childhood, and then, yes. you, and then you ultimately came to Manhattan? Yes. And did you go to school here in the city, or did yep. you?
1: Uh, when I, I, back in seventy four, Columbia, which is where I really wanted to go, didn't have housing for people that lived within 20 miles of the city. Ah. Uh, okay. So that was a big stress. So right. I was not about to live at my parents' house. So <laughs> the last minute, I. Found Drew, which is in Madison, New Jersey, which okay, is a nice potted ivy little school, right? And I could easily get access to New York. So originally, you were going into finance. I originally was going into finance. Yes, international law, finance,
0: international law, and finance. Yes. Okay. That's very, very bold that's ambition.
1: What I thought was that's what you
0: thought your path was going to be.
1: <sighs> Well, honestly, <laughs> I wanted to be a fashion designer, but my parents said, "We are not paying for fashion school. You already know how to make clothing. You've been in the factory your whole life."
0: Well, so uh, you have
1: to get a, a degree in something that's marketable.
0: They, so they didn't embrace that, despite <laughs> the fact that that no, was no, the no. family business. No, was fashion? Absolutely not. Right. They said, "Go off and and, and well, get a degree said, in something else." They said, else. "What
1: are you going to learn in fashion school? How to drape? How to make a pattern? You right. already know that, right?" So,
0: and and did you know
1: that? So were you? I actually did. You yeah. did. Well, my passion was to hang out at the factory and make clothing. And I worked there in the summers and inspected garments. And you you loved it. Yeah, I loved it. I loved the whole fantasy of the fabrics were incredible. We worked for Bill Blass. We worked for Oscar. We worked for a lot of very high-end couture, American couture Yes, you had a lot of
0: big houses that you were the contractor for.
1: Exactly. Experiencing that as a child... And training your eye to inspect garments and see how things are made and understand the construction and it was very formative. Yeah, yes. Very, very.
0: See now this I see this helps me understand so much better,
1: and uh, so I'm so glad. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you. you so might. I had a severe. I had a very heavy fashion background. Yes.
0: Well, so the family says, go off and get a degree, and you said, okay. And they said, after you have your degree, you can do whatever you want. You can come back to the family business if you want if to. You really want
1: that, or something different, if you want.
0: Right. Or, and at the time, were you thinking, oh, all right, I'll go get a degree, but
1: really, I'm hoping to come back to the to the fashion business, or were you? I was open. Okay. Um, there were contractors, so they made for designers. Right. And. I was more interested in designing the clothing rather than making the clothing. It was nice to have the factory, but I didn't want to be a contractor.
0: You wanted to be more creative. You wanted to create things. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That I definitely.
0: So that you knew you had. Yeah. But despite that, you went off to pursue finance. Mm -hmm. So tell me how far along you you went with the, with the finance.
1: I went... You went? Undergrad. Okay. And then I had to do something, and I didn't want to go to law school, and I didn't want to go to business school. So I was taking a winter session course, and the teacher was from RISD, and he just said to me, you have talent in art. You should consider it as a career. And I said, well, I, it was a watercolor class, and I thought, where am I going to go to school? <laughs> you know, really? Yeah. And he said, well, I'll write you a letter of recommendation to go to RISD. And I was like, I can't get into RISD. You know, this is a fluke. You know, I just... He said, no, I think you really should get the application, make your portfolio, and send it in. So I got the application. I did what he said. And I hadn't heard. And It was, you know, what am I going to do? So I I was applying for a job at Sotheby's. And I got an offer to work in the Chinese furniture department, (laughs) which I know nothing about. (laughs) But it's how they start you. You know, you get... Whatever department has an opening, they Right, you of, go through various yeah. departments and exactly. sort of learn. Yeah, exactly. So I went to a pay phone <laughs> on the corner, and I called RISD, and I said, collect. Not collect, I charged it to my parents' <laughs> <laughs> But I remember, I had a, I love that. I had a <laughs> quarter or dime, whatever it was at the time, and I didn't have enough money to pay to go to ro- call to Rhode Island. To Rhode Island, yeah. <laughs> so I had to charge it. Anyway, and I explained the situation that I just had a job offered, and I needed to give them an answer, and I couldn't give them an answer if I was going to go to school. So they said, not their policy, but please hold on. I held on for like five minutes, and they came back. And they said, yes, congratulations, you've been accepted. Oh, my God, I'm going to RISD. This is crazy. You're on the phone. They say congratulations. Right. You're- so I go back to Sotheby's back upstairs, and I said, sorry. Sorry, I can't I just, take got, gra- I just got into RISD. I'm going to go to that RISD. That's what I did. Yeah.
0: So you get to RISD and you realize your whole life you've been exposed to to all of these things, yeah. and then and then RISD you you've sort of described as just this place. That where was great. Very and
1: having never really liked school, even though I did great, I just didn't love it. Didn't, you didn't love school. I didn't love studying. You know, mm. I wasn't I wasn't a bookworm. Mm.
0: And but, but the architecture side of it, I mean, so a lot of architects tell me. Wow, it's actually a, a lot of really hard work and, and
1: repetitive sort of studies that you have mm. to do. That you didn't find it that nah, way, not at all. You know, RISD is not a super technical school. Mm. You know, I mean, you take materials, you take one, two, two semesters of materials and methods, and that's about it. And then it's basically you're creating. So you're, you're very free. Their in that focus way. is yes. different. Yes. You know? Like I have employees that went to RISD. I have like 20 architects that work for me and two of them went to RISD and they come up with ideas. In, in a
0: different way than some of your other architects Well, they do.
1: they actually come up with ideas, which is a nice thing. Mm. You know, I, I don't have to tell them everything. You know, right. they kind of look and think. I mean, not just that they went to RISD, Lujak is very creative and he Went to school in California, right. So it's, <laughs> right? But there are all sorts of creative architects. Yeah, but that then I have mercy, yes. like four guys that were three guys, sorry, and one girl who went to Buffalo, and mm. it's a much more technical school, you know. So well,
0: that yes. So that's often what architects tell me that it's yeah. very technical right. and right, and they get almost sort of bogged down with that.
1: Yeah, but you need both. I am probably 60 40 60 design 40 understanding the structure and, and everything mm. um, also the world has changed since i went to school because we drew by hand right and now everything is a computer model yeah structure it's a different you know it's a, it's a different profession almost from when we were going to school
0: and did that did that change how you saw things that moved to computer automation did
1: i mean no because the weird thing about is, okay, so I, I go to Europe in 1980. We were still hand drawing. Mm. 81 is when they introduced computers in school. <laughs> for, oh. like, at RISD, we didn't have computers right. in 1979. Yeah. 1980. We didn't have them. You know, you drew by hand. Yeah. I go to France. I come back 15 years later, and everyone's on computers, <laughs> and no one's doing anything by hand. But I didn't have the computer base. So right. I still think by hand I think. Yes. Like I I when I see something, I imagine how it's built. Like when I do a floor plan or whatever, I know how it's laid out in my own head. You know, I depend on my my past and my knowledge to know how things work rather than a computer program that tells me how mm. it works.
0: When you walk into a sort of a, a raw space,
1: are you able to sort of completely oh, visualize? I see the whole thing done. You see the whole thing done. You see it yeah. completed. Yeah. And I know how what kind of structure i want, what kind of shapes i want. What's cool about what we do at our firm, which people always say it's oh it's always comes out differently. Like there's no look. Ingrid doesn't really have a look. Mm. Not everyone's okay with that because a lot of people get insecure and they want to know exactly what they're buying. Mm. And they want to buy the, their friend's apartment. So you know like there's design firms that have a look, you know. Yes. And i like everything. It's more about the client, what they're going to feel comfortable in, too. Because mm. there are always trends. You know, we see trends everywhere. And now the trend is, well, the silver trend and the beige, and the creams and the silvers maybe on its way up. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> when every single thing you looked at. And do you say that in sort of a
0: hopeful way? Like, maybe I'm hoping that that is Yeah, Because well,
1: I'm actually tired of it. Yeah. You know, I've done it now. Yeah. For I can imagine. Yeah, It's interesting to, to look at color, how color comes in and out of fashion. And when you work with clients of different ages, they bring their past with them. Mm. You know, people never forget, first, what they grew up with. Second, the generation that they made their money in and style. And then thirdly, where they are today. But they always have in the back of their head that green bathroom that their their grandmother had in their house yeah and they either hate it or love it right you know but it comes back you know because i see clients asking me do they still make like green tile (laughs) anymore, (laughs) you know, or like an avocado sink. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's funny because so,
0: so avocado used to be one of the top Uh, selling colors, right? Exactly. I mean, it's hard to imagine imagine (laughs) today. Yes. But it it used to be that, that avocado green and then that, and then that really dark brown. Oh my gosh. Those were the the top ceramic sellers. And so all the tubs and the sinks, right? I mean, I feel like there's this, fondness for well, this.
1: you know what's happened too is you get bombarded now with social media and media right but it, it pushes a look and then you get where magazines are going now where everything is based on celebrity has nothing to do with design you're seeing a celebrity with an opinion of wherever they you know come <laughs> from and that's supposed to translate into the world of this is what good design is yeah and it has nothing to do with design.
0: Yeah, okay. and does that make does that make you crazy?
1: Well, a little bit. You know, it's stressful to see unresolved projects being lauded, held up. You know, as an I, example, as an example to what people should look for and look up to. It's not that it's bad; these people can live as they want to, but there doesn't seem to be a forum for design anymore. Mm. You know, every magazine's about celebrity.
0: And, and so whether it's good design or bad design, doesn't yeah. matter. We've got them on the cover and it sells and the, the And the funny thing is
1: the celebrity clients that you have, like I have a couple, they refuse to be published <laughs> or let anybody know what they have. Right. So what you end up finding is celebrities who do it themselves or very rarely will give credit to anyone You know, because mm. it's about them. And then you see things that don't really work. Yeah, or look great. Yeah, and it confuses the consumer, I think. Uh, and
0: as as you and I were talking about before, it's one of the challenges with the way RH, just for example, right, is is held
1: up today as as the gold standard. Right. That's that's it. Yeah, and that's good design. Yeah. And well, some of it is right. They 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 took Axel Vervort and tweaked it to the American market. They took his sense of drama and his, you know, Axel's amazing because it's got a look. You know, you definitely know, you know, you can see Axel there and made it like what Ralph Lauren did with fashion for America, back 25 years ago. Just made it accessible. The problem I have with that is, you know, having spent 15 years in Europe and you see things crafted really well. That's, you know, I, I learned how to make things as a child mm. and then i learned how to make things in my profession in france because the french go to the levels that we just don't know here
0: in in terms of craftsmanship yeah. and, and, and and the kind of work that they do and absolutely
1: the creativity and the fantasy and the because they mix fashion into their interiors you know that's the same embroiderers that make the lesage dresses for all the couture houses make their curtains mm. like I work with all these people that have they're that half in fashion half in interiors it's
0: interesting because there are, there are a lot of layers and as you say so many of the interior companies are connected or often owned by the big fashion houses yeah. right and so they're using all of the same people yeah. and the Hermes saddle people are also the leather people for this other Settleman. company right yeah so let's let's leap from you get out of RISD and when do you Move to to Paris, and and really the next sort of big chapter in your life begins. Yeah.
1: So I got a RISD. I got a job with a designer in New York. Oh right, your your four month stay yep. right it with it a designer. Was a very cool. Uh, <laughs> it was a very small office with a lot of tension. It, it was it was just a anci- okay. anxious. So
0: it, so what was the tension about?
1: People's <laughs> knowledge of design of. Oh. Of period furniture at the time it was like a big deal you know? I see, okay and your sense of color your mm. sense of this, your sense of drama uh, everything was a little dramatic and it was kind of a little too dramatic for me and I wasn't really making any money right? it wasn't paying you well it enough to stay me. and put no. up with that so I said to myself you know what, I'll do this on my own And <laughs> if I'm going to be broke I might as well wing it do it on your own yeah. it was a good lesson because I don't ever underpay people because I remember what it was like to be there till 10 11 o'clock at night and not have any money f- and not make any money because of it so so you went out on your own and, and a friend of mine who was elec- in the electronics business had a client who had just moved to New York they were building the Olympic Tower mm. or they just built the Olympic Tower and he had one of the penthouses. And he was looking for a designer because he had been working with some guy in California on a previous job and tried to bring him here and it didn't work out. And my friend said, Oh, well, Tony can do it for you. <laughs> said, so I said, Peter, I just got out of school. <laughs> he goes, he said, you can do anything. You can just, do it. You can do it. Just don't worry. I'll, I'll make sure you're fine. And that was my first job. And it was a crazy experience. The client was a very wealthy person from the Middle East with multiple projects around the world. Mm. All of a sudden, I was flying all over the place. <laughs> because they wanted you to do all sorts. Well, of Well, I, I was working on all this stuff—yeah, boats and planes and this. It was, was my first job. You know, <laughs> it was kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I was working like eighteen hours a day or more. It was just, but they expected you to party with them as well because really yeah which was a little too much and um i burned the candle probably too much at both ends and mm. i got exhausted
0: okay so you really got burnt out i got
1: burnt out okay and another friend said you look horrible you're coming with me to Far- to paris wow you know he just ran into me on madison avenue he, said, he
0: bumped into you thought you looked terrible he said, at you, <laughs> well i had lost a
1: lot of weight and i was like oh my goodness yeah. okay so through other friends who said call this person call that person i went to a dinner party at this club called the privilege which was below the underneath the palace disco it was a private dining club and i'm sitting at this big table with all these people speaking french and i i spoke high school french i didn't (laughs) really speak french french but i met someone and this guy was a really big character at first i was a little interested in how crazy this person was but but stay away. (laughs) was a little little intense. Yeah. And I I ended up staying for six weeks and ended up with him for 13 years. Really? Yeah. We did a lot of things together. It forced me to be there and to be able to start exploring. But it it did teach you also about antiques and... and Well, it started it. And then I started really driving all over the country, going to shops and going to museums everywhere. Teaching myself history of art and architecture and design, you know, I, I spent yeah. thirteen years doing that. Just like, <laughs> just teaching yourself. Teaching myself, going to auctions, and then I started a little bit back and forth business where I was buying in France and selling at auctions here. The price differences were huge.
0: So you, you not only were you learning about the antiques, but you were building a little business around yeah. right and I buying had and selling. A little shop,
1: uh huh, on Fifty Eighth Street. Yes, first right. I had a good time there, but I I I didn't love being a shopkeeper.
0: Mm. You wrap up your relationship with, with, yeah. this, with this fellow that you've yeah. been with, right, for thirteen yes. years. Came back, and you came back to the states. Yes, and and, and started doing. What, what were you thinking you were going to do upon your return? No,
1: well, I came back as I had a I'd gotten a couple of big jobs here, big projects in Greenwich. Oh, these were the castles, the castles, right? The big castles, the <laughs> big castles, which. Was a thing back then. Yes, everyone wanted
0: castles. Everyone wanted castles, and 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 the provenance, idea, and the, the idea, be right. So that's what it was, right? They they wanted provenance. They, they wanted want,
1: things that meant something. They, yes, this is before art furniture. Mm. Before all the new designers who made furniture. You know. Right, so. okay.
0: So back then, they that wanted the, the Louis XIV. Yeah. Okay. And you just happened to have... Know been, a lot about it. You, <laughs> you became very familiar. It. Yes. So. And you knew where to get it. Yeah. And so how did people know that you were somebody to come to for that? How did you become the castle guy? Mouth.
1: Word of mouth. Okay. Yeah. So word sort of got out. Yeah, and then your... you get pegged. He, he does fancy. He,
0: <laughs> yes. then Right, and that was your reputation yeah. sort of early on, right? Right. You were this
1: guy who did fancy. Fancy. Right? I could... Get it made in France, <laughs> and it could be like embroidered and phenomenal, and yes. So it was a little bit Monjardino esque, but in a French sort of way. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little Alberto Pinto, you know. But here, I did it here, right?
0: But here in 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 Greenwich, yeah. right, or or right. Long Island, right? Yeah, and exactly. yeah. yeah, yeah. So the the castle business was was good right and lots of again the, some of these were hedge fund people right some of no, them most were, of them were fashion some of them in were the fashion game. people oh right so tell me tell me about that because the had first
1: a- two were well it was vince camuto mm-hmm. and then his partner was jerome fisher then but his son mark fisher who's in the shoe business today still. right so i did his his house now i'm doing his kids houses which is funny <laughs>
0: and and has that happened a lot for you? Yes. Yes? Maybe five
1: or six clients, I do their kids. The kids' park. house. Yeah. And is that very different? Extremely. Yes? <laughs> it's all mid-century and Royer. And That's what they l- want. Yeah, a little bit of Liagra, a little contemporary. And okay. Hip. They want to be hip. And, th- and they don't want castles. They want shingle-style <laughs> houses. They seem to all want shingle-style houses. They
0: all want shingle-style houses. Yeah. And what does that represent to them? Do you think?
1: I think it represents the antithesis of how they grew up. You know, they grew up in these big palaces, and then they want to be relaxed. Well, yeah. the world has changed. You know, people don't get dressed anymore. Even I your mean, even
0: your clients. I mean, do people not sort of dressing up half, or half and half?
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about how many sneakers you have now, as compared to. <coughs> okay. How many? Well, that,
0: I I have a, actually a great a great many sneakers, Tony. Right. So yeah. it's a little sensitive subject right. for me.
1: No, but. because before you used to have shoes and one or two pairs of sneakers. Right. Now you've got sneakers and a couple of pairs of shoes. Yes. Some of them are relics that I won't get rid of. I look <laughs> at them in the closet and say, why should you just get rid of these things?
0: Attending High Point Market this fall, be sure to visit Universal to the Trade's Designer Lounge. Located inside Universal Furniture's showroom at 101 South Hamilton Street, the Designer's Lounge has everything you need, including hair and makeup touch-ups, snacks, workspace, charging stations, and ample relaxation areas. And of course, coffee and champagne all day, every day. Learn more about Universal to the Trade's Designer Lounge now at universalfurniture.com slash designerlounge. And now, back to the show. It's interesting that today so many of your projects are, and I, I know you just finished up the Hudson Yards, and, right? And yep. you're, and in, in part because of your relationship with your friend Steve Ross, exactly, right? Yes. So, so when did you when did you first come to work for, for Steve Ross, and when did that okay. relationship first begin?
1: So, before Time Warner, he was planning Time Warner, and it was, and they were doing a design competition. They went to five or six designers, and they said, okay here's a floor plate of the building mm. and we need you to come up with a concept for how these apartments can look. We did our presentation and Steve, he kind of looked at our presentation and he goes, <laughs> I'll never forget. He goes, I think this is shit. <laughs> it's horrible. You know? Really? Yeah. That's what he said when he oh, looked yeah. at your presentation? Yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> and he said, but, I met all these guys and I'm going to hire you just because I like you guys. <laughs> it was very bizarre. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? It yeah. seems bizarre. Yeah. And he, he said, I don't like what you do, but.
0: I don't, I don't like your work, but yeah, I'm going to hire no, you
1: anyway? Yeah. <laughs> well, because well, he had seen the Perry apartment uh, and okay. he was like, I okay. hate it. <laughs> well, it's, 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 you hated that? <laughs> hated it. I hated it. <laughs> so then, I, then I'm, I'm not understanding no, how he's making this thing.
0: So let's back up for a second and talk about the Perry apartment. Yeah. Because in a way, I, I mean, there were various things that put you sort of on the map for people. But yeah. I feel like, right, the, the, the Perry apartment on Sutton Place, right, was this, it got published in... Ever. Right, Vogue everywhere. Right, everywhere. Vogue did a huge thing on yeah. it. Um, and so, so tell me about that project.
1: Okay, so in the older days, <laughs> <laughs> I had... Clients in Scarsdale and Greenwich and finance-based people in right. Park Avenue. right? And they were all very traditional apartments. And Lisa and Richard Perry lived in a country French apartment on Park Avenue. And and then they purchased this penthouse. And it was complicated because there was a woman named Betty Sherrill. Mm. She ran McMillan. Mm-hmm, sure. Work. So... And, and what was complicated about that? Well, because Betty wanted to keep the building very conservative. Right. And and she was on the board. Yeah. Now, I was known as Mr. Antique. I knew Betty. I sold her furniture. And right. I was like, no. So then they put my name forward that I'd be, okay. okay. So I met with Lisa, who I knew socially through my clients. Right. As I'd never worked with her before. And she said, you know, I... You dress, you sell all this old stuff, but you dress really hip. And you know, oh, so. And she wanted a different look. She, she didn't know exactly what she wanted, but she wanted something that was fresher than what she had been living in. And so they put my name forth to Betty Sherrill, saying I would be designing the apartment. So Betty said, oh, fine.
0: Oh, the joke was it was
1: reassuring to yeah. Betty, right? Oh, totally. Because you were so Mr. And Traditional and they you got Mr. In, Mr. Antique, and then they were accepted and no right. problem. Yeah, was oh, like... he'll be great. <laughs> <Right>. Yes,
0: <laughs> what a joke! Little did they know what was well, coming.
1: Right, but it's America; you can do what you want. <laughs> <laughs> I go to the apartment with Lisa, and there was David Piscoskas, was the architect that had done Richard's office, and hmm. they were working with all oh, right from eleven hundred architects. And yeah, we started coming up with how to break this thing apart because it was really fourteen maids' rooms. And two ballrooms. Was <laughs> that what? It, is that what it that was, was the apartment. Was two ballrooms? Two ballrooms. And fourteen maids. And fourteen maids' rooms. Maids rooms. Yeah, because it was the maids' floor originally right. of the building. Right. It was the first time that anyone had asked me to just conceive something that was totally modern and make it flow and make it cool because it doesn't flow. It, it as the space was, it did not flow at of all. Of course, it was so broken up. Right. We had fun. It was new. And no one had ever done a '60s anything, right. <laughs> you know, since the '60s. Yeah, it kind of was put away, and
0: that was about it. Well, so and and describe for people who are listening what you decided to do with that space because it was it was viewed at the time, I, right, as this sacrilege,
1: and you had right, well, and we you were out all the, the fireplaces that were some were period, some were bad period. You know, like the living room had a fake Italianate cariatid fireplace that was, you know, those coffered ceilings that were too low. The the one thing that is true about what that apartment was was, it was European grandeur without the right proportion. And when you live in Europe and you see the proportions of how things are supposed to really be, and then you come to America and you realize that architects kind of Morphed ideas from Europe, but they never got the the ceiling height right, and they never got the whatever. Well, <laughs> I don't know why. So things are usually too squat. They don't have the breath, and they're grand, but they don't have the like right. height. And, and that's why a lot of the houses in Greenwich like the nine foot ceilings you know and it's like <laughs> they want to be but the they look spectacular. from the outside yes, think, oh my god into, yes. into these baronial palaces and then you end up having to lose the second floor because you got to make some proper spaces out of these things but um,
0: it, so it was a, so it was an amazing project so, so some people loved it some people hated it right right and everyone I, went crazy about it one way or the other
1: exactly so then all of a sudden I got known for doing something kind of out of the box yes And that's where things changed for me. Then the contemporary stuff started flowing at me. And then at the same period, people started collecting art in a big way. I started getting jobs where it was about the art rather than about them living, Mm. or the art became the focus. Mm.
0: And helping clients live with art in, yeah. the, in the way that they want to. Exactly. Like you mentioned, like Donnie Deutsch, for example, yeah. right? He has yes, yeah. a big art collection, Huge. and it was... It was it's how all you, about the art. It's all about the art, yeah. really. And, and giving him the freedom to but sort of... But Donnie,
1: work. strangely enough, it's about the art, but he's also... It's about how he lives. And he actually... One of the very few clients that actually mixes antiques. Few. But we have things from every period in mm. that house
0: that is interesting and it's one of the things that people talk about so much today is that people that makes, aren't right. right and and what's become of the antique business and it's over
1: it's totally over it's, it's sad it, it's
0: over it's sad
1: it's really sad it'll never come back the way it was because it was so hyped it was too much mm. 18th century chairs by their nature are uncomfortable <laughs> you know so why do you want to sit in one right but a beautiful case piece is still going to be a gorgeous case piece. A William Kent console is going to always be a William Kent console. It's yeah. power, it's carving, it's beauty, it's marble, it's great. And, you know, uptight Chippendale furniture doesn't relate to today's lifestyle.
0: So it's, it's going to swing back in some
1: way. Parts of it. Parts, parts of, of, it, of it. Parts of it. Parts of it are never coming back, you're Yeah. No. So I, I think, like, strangely, the... S- Late 17th to early 18th century baroque influence pieces can can hold up against strong contemporary art yeah. you know there, there's a there's okay. something going on there the really fussy late 18th century furniture when you know France got really rich and Marie Antoinette you know everything to be perfect but that it doesn't relate to today's fashion or the, people of today because people don't want to be fussy they want to be chill yeah no matter how old you are you want to look like you're chill right you want well, to look like it's effortless living m- most people not all but we have a couple of clients that still like things really fancy fancy and done, done. <laughs> yeah it's kind of funny but
0: let's talk about some of what's what's changed in the design world you and i were starting to talk earlier about whether it's sort of all the companies that have sort of gone away, all the resources that don't seem to
1: to be there that once yeah. were. <laughs> People's focus has changed. People want comfort. That's a big demand that you never got 20 years ago.
0: Mm, that's interesting. So yeah. people
1: weren't focused on comfort. No. But now they're focused on the look and the show, the pageantry of it. Mm. You know, the world has created a lot of stress for a lot of these people mm. keeping ahead of the finance world and market going up and down and people making crazy money and it creates stress you know so you have to think okay I need order because the world's chaotic mm. that's why that whole layered look and confusion remember do you remember Denny and Farkad yeah you know, sure okay right remember all that insanity of more is more is yes. more <laughs> yes Nobody no, wants No, they don't anymore. want that anymore. No, because well, yeah. the world is too chaotic. I mean, we live in such a complicated world. You, yeah. you have to get home and be in a sanctuary. You need quiet space. You need things in sync.
0: So, in, and how does that translate into what you specify and what you bring into projects?
1: Well, there's a lot less contrast. And also, there's a lot less pattern. Mm. 20 years ago we had no problem mixing five patterns in a room. Now, maybe two. Color variation. Subtle color variation. Texture, but no pattern. Very little pattern. Getting back to the to
0: Steve Ross and and mm-hmm. so yep. so he had seen the Perry project, he couldn't stand that yeah. project, but right? he liked And then he couldn't stand the presentation no, that you made like,
1: for Time Warner. He's like it was like the worst one of the bunch but i like you guys
0: <laughs> but i like you guys nonetheless yeah and so you you
1: well okay steve he's amazing cuz he's got a very strong design sense mm. but he also has a very strong people sense like he's he's gifted you know he sees things that people don't see yeah you know like he whether you agree with him or disagree with him or like his taste or like this or like that. He actually has a vision. You know, Steve's a visionary. You know, he, he created Time Warner for the Coliseum that was over there. I uh, would it, have it, ever It's thought?
0: unbelievable for people that lived in New York City right. to see that space well, transformed a, into the well, Time Warner When it Center.
1: was going on, we were like, who wants to live on that?" Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so crazy. Yeah. I remember that Coliseum. Oof.
0: It it was so horrible, and horrible. Was, right, and just all the people would be waiting for the bus or something uh, to go visit and their all the homeless people. Oh, it was front, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it, was, it was it was terrible, and, th- and now that whole area, I mean, you can't even get over okay. that, that whole area. Yeah, and, uh, and now he's doing it here, right? And so now the, the Hudson Yard project. So so, it, shortly this time around, he says, "Oh no, I know I'm going to love what you guys are going to do." How <laughs> did how did that? No,
1: not exactly. No, 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 no. no. Well, so no. how did that? How yeah. did it come to happen okay. that you
0: that you worked on Hudson Yards?
1: Well, we did his apartment mm. and...
0: Oh, and, and he's moving, right? So he's moving out of his apartment yeah. and... right. But he's, he loves, he the loves
1: his apartment. Right. He loves it. And, and yeah. he's trying to bring a lot of... Of what you did. There. Of what we did. No, with Steve, it's a, commu- it's a collaboration. What you all
0: did together. Yeah.
1: Right. It's totally that. Yes. And he loves the process. You know, you have clients that either really love the process or they absolutely don't want to get involved. Yeah. No, but Steve loves the project. because it's, he's a he's aesthetic he's got his visions and we've done a lot of different projects together so Hudson
0: yards he it, it seems like you you got to got to do all sorts of things I mean, well, so yeah, tell yeah. us a little bit about okay
1: so he hired me to do the luxury tower thirty five right som did the exterior which we had okay so we did baccarat with som right the Bakra hotel so we kind of had a a re- good working relationship with, with SOM, and um, this was easy because it was like the next right you know, six month lag time between Baccarat and starting this project. So yeah, David Charles is a, a really nice person. You know, he's an elegant man, and um, yeah, he obviously had a beautiful vision for the limestone and the way the building moves. We tried to respect that with the interiors. Mm the lobbies, the elevators. Steve loves tapestry. He wanted to put a tapestry as you walk in, just like a Time Warner. I'm like, mmm, it's done before, and it's not really. You have to start thinking forward now. This is not about just buying a tapestry and putting it on the wall. So we had this famous tapestry maker, um, (laughs) Anya Okay. Um, she's from Denmark, and she did the tapestries at Time Warner. So we met with her and we said, okay, we have to make this modern. We have to, we have to respect tapestry, which is not a very modern métier, but we have to, like, bring it to today. The way our space to work with the lobby was very disjointed. It was like, it was three boxes that did not line up. So we, we said okay what's going to be the easiest way to transition you through from the outside in through the reception to the elevator and make it smooth and, and things were kind of off center and because the building is very symmetrical on the outside when you look at it like this so we ended up designing a conch shell that brought you through and we played with David's arc geometry of the, the fins of the stone mm. and we brought it in as wood fins around So you kind of, and we expressed the f- pattern on the floor with a little circle so you kind of walk in and around past the desk and then you, you, we, we made a very dark dark wood background for the tapestry at the elevator so the whole focus of the lobby is the f- tapestry to play, make it cool, we blew up the scale times 10. So instead of the flower being this big, wow. the flower is th- that big. Yeah. And it goes from the floor on the ceiling all, all the way. So it's, the tapestry wraps the entire space. Wow. And it's very cool. Yeah. So it was a, she was excited because the artist. Oh, i sure. Was like,
0: so much more than she ever, ever she imagined, have never, right? Like, yeah, she, she never would have.
1: Right. So it was cool.
0: It seems like you're at the top of your game. Do you feel that
1: the projects are have changed because now all of a sudden there's this commercial mm. aspect right. to what we're working on too, which is exciting because it forces you to think in a different way. Materials you use in commercial work have to entertain people because it's not about just sitting and living in, in a living with art. Yeah. You know, you you have to get in an elevator and be oh this is cool or you know so your knowledge and your exploration in materiality is way more developing and interesting Mm. with commercial work at a high end and that's been exciting because I've developed a lot of relationships with people in Europe that make cool stuff that and here too but that are free to think out of the box Mm. so and then I've been applying some of those to my residential work which has been really fun so that's been a great thing
0: well and that very much seems like it's part of what makes your work so interesting is that you have this this sort of legion
1: of artisans we do right but it all started with the antique things yeah 100 years ago i'm not that old but 40 years ago
0: but but right these these relationships that you developed in Europe. And, and you've been able to bring all of those people along.
1: And right? now we're working with the sons of those people, which is kind of funny. Because in Europe, they still keep the tradition. Of course. So like the gilder and the yes. painter and the bronzier and whatever. they their kids.
0: They recognize that they need to carry that on. Well, and they do it. Yes. You know,
1: and it's, not, it's, it's nice to see that. It's good.
0: It's no. Cool. And, and, and you're helping to sort of support yeah. all of that but with we, the scale of your work.
1: Also... Because they're so technically savvy, they can come up with different services that they've never even explored before because they know that that's what we're looking for. Mm. So it's kind of fun to come up with new, new things, Yeah, which is great. So that's a big part of our business. Personally, I think I've become a little more pared down because I don't want so much anymore okay you know it's
0: you mean in your own life you've yeah, become paired yeah
1: because I'm building a new house in Montauk right now and okay. it's very clean it's traditional it's not modern right well it's it's a hybrid you know it, it's a windmill and a barn and a, and a water tower okay but it's transparent and it's I think it's going to be amazing and it's not going to be big which I like because my house in the Caribbean is really large <laughs> I got a little carry-away. <laughs> but, so.
0: So, th- so this is much more scaled back. Yeah, it's three better. And that's so. how you're feeling in general.
1: It's not so much. I ju- I, what I realize is you to be happy, you need something incredible, but you don't need a lot of incredible.
0: Absolutely. So you, you never think about stopping doing what you're doing. You never think, oh, you know, I can't do one more
1: huge no, project no, no what i think about now is expanding to the point where i've got young people as part of the operation as part of the whole ingrow thing right so it's it will not be only about me in the future
0: you're, you're grooming people to carry on the, yep. the business yep. and and and, yep. and the legacy of, of all covered. that you've that you've built. Well,
1: and also the, for them to create new stuff and be excited about it. And to want to stay and really feel invested to, in, the, in the business. Yeah. Right. And to really see a future. Yeah. Cause having the commercial aspect has made it there. If it was just an interiors firm mm. that did houses and apartments, it's always a little, whether it's there or not there, but this now is becoming like, we're doing two buildings with Geary in LA and it's a different thing. We're going to be doing a hotel in Santa Clara. It, there's stuff that young people can get excited about yeah. be part of and move forward with you know so that's that's where i'd like the business to go to wish
0: okay <laughs> yeah. and 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 remind me again how many people there are now i mean uh, 50 50 people now yeah. and and is that is that expanding as you continue to take on some of these big I don't projects know.
1: Um, okay you know we've been approached to do lines like Fabric furniture. Yeah, and rug. you haven't.
0: I mean, no. right? I mean, well, I haven't
1: had time. You
0: haven't had time.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Do you want to do that?
0: Do you want to do licensing? Do you want to do fabric lines with?
1: People? I, I could. I'm not sure. Okay. I've always been a little bit like we do custom fabrics and we do custom rugs and we do custom rugs. Yeah. But we do them specifically for people. Hmm. I would. I just need to. You need I, to find if, the time. Exactly. Well, if we reorganize with how things operate I will hopefully have the time for that Okay. and the manpower to pl- place to develop something like yes. that yes the Which team is, in place uh, to help it's you always a team. with that but you have ideas for things that you'd like to do oh
0: for sure for sure because you've created so much custom fabric yeah. and you
1: yeah we always do
0: and is that a bigger part of your business now like sort of in th- instead of buying fabric like creating a uh, fabric these days f- and, and rugs it's, too it's 50-50 50-50
1: rugs for sure right because it's much easier to make a custom rug yeah. Then right. Because with fabrics you tend to have minimums. Yeah. So you have to right. You have to do 100 meters or whatever. Right, it is. Exactly. Yeah. yeah of course. Yeah. And not everyone wants to make 100 meters for a 20 <laughs> yard sofa. But <laughs> right. Anyway. Okay. So, well,
0: I mean, it sounds like a lot of it sounds like a lot of, of exciting things it are happening, and you're still really enjoying it. Yes. As chill as you seem, you're really, oh, no, you're no, no. you're happy about the whole thing. Yeah.
1: This, life's pretty good. Life's amazing. It's
0: it's, it's pretty nice being Tony Ingraham,
1: right? I am very fortunate. Yes. I'm very lucky. Yes, which is cool.
0: Yeah, well, good, good for you, and and, and congratulations. Oh, on, thank you on everything, and cool. and thank you for coming. And in. now you know a little bit about me. I, yeah. Finally, now <laughs> I now I know so much about you. Perfect. Thank you, Tony, Thanks. very much for joining us. Okay. Thank you again for listening. If you're enjoying these conversations, I hope you'll consider sharing the podcast with a friend or heading over to the iTunes Store to leave us a review. It helps others to discover the show. We love your feedback. Please give us your thoughts at podcast at businessofhome.com. Our show was produced by Fred Nikolaus and Lauren Pirelli.
1: And I'm Dennis Scully. We'll see you next week.